Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another remarkable, unbelievable, stupendous order of magnitude. (laughs) Those are brand new words. Yeah, I'm making it up as I go. You must have been reading. I'm making it up as I go. So, uh, episode of... FNO InsureTech. Right? Keep going. Podcast? Keep going. Keep going. going. My bad. Welcome, everybody. I'm glad that you could join us today. I am your co-host, Lee Boyd, joined by co-host Rob Beller. Welcome, Rob. That's me. That's me. Well, thank you, Lee. It's nice to be here. It's uh, good to yeah, join you. I'm glad you made it. Yeah. You're, you're kind you know, of in the host. In, I put you in the host chair real quick. You did. But you know, Rob, uh-huh. uh, this day and age, internet is a little hard to come by, right? <laughs> yes. We have had, uh, with this one episode, we've had a couple of different times where internet bandwidth has failed us. And um, yeah, we want to, you know, we're, we're in this with you. Most of us are at our house. We're hunkered down. Right during the the coronavirus here, and um, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you could join us today on this internet, Rob. Well, I am. I've joined you hanging by my internet fingernails, mm-hmm. right? That's I terrible. mean, it's it's like I am so slow. My internet is so slow that um, it's, it's like, like a turtle. I, internet molasses. There you go. Mm-hmm. I, Maybe turtle like a snail. In. That's the name of my, my, the internet. I have turtle internet. That's the name of my provider today. In fact, yeah. in fact, my internet is so slow. It's like dial up. Yeah. Um, for those of us that were old enough to remember that. But anyways, um, what does any of this have to do with our guest today? Well, our guest has a software and a company that is anything but slow. It's a very fast company, right? You Ooh. see what I did there? Yeah, yeah. that, was, that yeah. was very good. Yeah. Why don't uh-huh. you tell them who uh-huh. we have on today? Today we have on the fa- co-founder and CEO of Hover, A.J. Altman. And A.J. joins us from San Francisco today where he is sheltered in place along with everyone else here in California and in many other states around the country. And A.J.'s here uh, not just to give us a little bit of background on Hover, but also really to kind of dig into what Hover does and how it does it and how it relates to the insurance industry. Yeah, I'm very excited to talk to him. I heard him a couple of years ago at a on-ramp conference in Chicago, and he was a delight. He told the whole story about Hover uh, and what it what it is and what it's doing and a little bit of its roadmap, and I'm very excited to talk to him. He is a uh, a long-time CEO at Hover uh, since the beginning, nine years. And I'm excited to learn a little bit about the story and then a little bit about how he sees our world changing throughout this uh, pandemic that's going on. And for those of you uh, people who are involved in InsureTech out there, which I'm sure is, is most everybody, why else would you listen to this crazy podcast? But... Uh, as, pe- as a company that has the opportunity to use this product all the time, 
it's very unique in a few ways. Number one, it really serves the claim side of the business as well as underwriting and other verticals as well. But it also works really, really well. It is, it fundamentally changes the way that we can operate. It, it really is one of those products that lives up to the full promise of InsureTech and what it's about and what it's supposed to be. And, and, it's really something that's transformational. So it's it's exciting to have um, somebody on who's been so integral in mm-hmm. in in making that a product like this come about. Yeah, I think I mean such a visionary. That's what I think. I mean to be able to to take an idea and to change it and move it to fit the needs of uh, of carriers or other verticals. Right? It's not just insurance. He's he's all over the place. Uh, but a, just a real visionary in our world. So I'm I'm excited. Let's jump on in and visit with him. Well, you're the you're the, you you're the lead dog here. So let's uh, let's let's bring this thing home. Go ahead. Without further ado, here's uh-huh. your episode with yeah. AJ Altman, co-founder and CEO of Hover. Hey everybody, we are here on another hunkered down shelter in place day. Yeah. Maybe shelter in place day X, I don't know, 10, what, whatever it may be. And we have a really special uh, and generous guest with us today, AJ Altman, co-founder and CEO of Hover. How, how are you doing, AJ? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for the time. Sure, sure. Where, where are you hunkered down? Uh, I'm in San Francisco. That's home. Okay, cool. Cool. And and you you generously took a ride today to get this podcast done, didn't you? Yes. Uh, residential internet is a challenge these days. Uh, the entire universe is is working from home, so I had to to squirrel about and find some some good commercial grade uh, fiber to make this happen. So it's all good. Nice to get out. Well, we can hear it. Yeah, you, you sound great. Um, Much better. Let, yeah. Let, let's just jump right in. As as we said. Before we started, um, your your origin story is kind of well known, but if you could just kind of run through and give us a minute on what Hover is and kind of how you got there, let's do that just so that we can move forward from there. Great. Yeah. So, you know, Hover is basically a platform that generates uh, digital property data. Uh, and that data is used by a number of industries, but uh, you know, you could really just kind of relegate it to anyone who cares about scoping projects on buildings on Earth, uh, which means uh, there's a there's a tremendous sweet spot with with the labor market. You know, uh, professionals who work on buildings, as well as uh, those those massive industries that sell products and services onto those buildings, the manufacturers who build products that go on buildings care about our, our data, uh, as well as, of course, the largest service providers on earth for the, the for building objects, which you know, likely would be the insurance industry. My background, uh, geez, uh, computer engineer turned uh, Marine Grunt turned, uh, I guess, co-founder of a, of a software business. Um, I uh, moved out to California after, after college, grew up in the Midwest, and um, yeah, met my co-founder within a few months of getting out of the Marine Corps and coming back from the Middle East, so been at this for our, uh, I guess now nine years. Wow. What, what is, what is your biggest vertical? Uh, what do y'all work in the most? 
if you look at it um, in terms of volume and revenue, uh, the largest percentage would be uh, that that actually that professional labor market. So uh, okay. exterior exterior building contractors. Oh, okay. And for those listeners, you know, who are listening and have lived under a rock and don't know what Hover is, you know, Hover really is a fantastic tool uh, with just a very few amount of photos, roughly eight photos. Uh, you're able to give. Uh, measurements of the exterior of a home in a very, very quick amount of time and, and deliver that with all sorts of measurements, not just not just windows or eaves, but roof measurements from the ground. Isn't that right, AJ? That's right. So, you know, our data package is a, is a full exterior shell. Uh, every single architecturally relevant measurement on the exterior of the building object is comes out of our data package. Uh, and that includes... Um, you know, the, the depth of the soffit around the entire structure, you know, things that can't be identified from, from the air, uh, as well as, again, you, you noted, but, but, you know, every to, to the finest detail elevation measurement data point that's relevant for, for exterior project or exterior renovation. Yeah. Um, yeah. It comes from, you know, if you, if, yes, if you haven't downloaded our app or tried it, it's, uh, you know, the first one's free, grab it in the app store and walk out this weekend and, and, grab five to eight happy snaps of your house. The app will guide you around the building and within, you know, an hour or so, depending upon the complexity of what you just uh, scan, you'll, you'll get back that data package. And, you know, a lot of times I get asked about uh, the, the accuracy of hover. I get asked a lot, is it as accurate as, as aerial measurements as others? And I was actually doing some research on your website and I came across uh, the independently ordered Hague report where it compared Hover to two leading aerial providers, uh, where it's showing that the uh, accuracy of Hover and the ability to get measurements is greater than the two leading aerial providers. Uh, that seems pretty cool. And uh, is there anything anything you want to add to that one, AJ? Well, a, a couple things. So. Okay. Um, Certainly, that's true. Uh, you know, we we believe that for a long time. We've obviously done uh, in field testing with hand measurements with companies large and small for the last five years, and so we had high confidence in that. Um, it was great to get that third party stamp of approval. But a couple of thoughts. Um, number one, that study doesn't really get into a couple of other factors about why Hover is useful. One is completeness of data set. Uh, mm -hmm. That was an apples to apples um, comparison of the measurements that one can obtain from aerial measurements, which is a subset of what we generate, right? Right. Uh, I talked about soffit depth, uh, certainly gutters and downspouts. Even in, in the roofing segment, there are measurements. There's, there's a fidelity of detail that we extract that the aerial folks aren't able to get to. Um, nothing against the aerial folks, that, you know, amazing businesses that invented use cases, you know, have a lot of respect for, for those companies, but to say nothing of the air, the, uh, the, the elevation data, which of course they aren't able to get to. Um, another piece that I think is, doesn't really come out in that data set is, or in that, that study is there's a um, completeness or ability of the aerial providers to even generate an output based upon the challenges of, of, of occlusion from, from vegetation, from, from trees, frankly. Right. Right. Uh, right. Big problem. So, percent of the time we're you know we we have pretty good intel on this certainly in the vicinity of 15 percent of the time those leading aerial providers simply can't return anything and uh, in our case 
assuming no user error in that scan, uh, something like between 90, 98 and 99% of hover cases, can we generate the full data package? Wow. Yeah. And it looks like here in the study, y'all had a hundred percent return, uh, a certain number that you looked at a hundred percent of yours were able to be returned. Pretty, yeah. pretty fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing that we, we think about a lot here is, uh, as you started that, that piece, uh, you, the way you brought up the question, I don't have the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I want to say, um, the data set that, that was measured in that study showed something like a plus or minus two and a half percent error with hover data and something like a three and a half percent error with um, the leading aerial provider. So you're talking right. about upwards of a, maybe a 30 to 40 percent reduction in error, uh, mm-hmm. even, even at such a small percentage of total plus or minus error, which doesn't feel like a lot, but we're convinced that in the long run, the insurance segment and the largest players in in the building products industry, those kinds of numbers matter. And if precision and transparency to their customers is important, which you know everyone says it is, then everyone should be using the most precise data set out there, which is, I think, what we're proving our data is. Well, when you talk about a percentage point um, at the scale of in the insurance industry, you're talking about yeah. tens, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. Yep. So uh, a, a point is, is is a big deal. We've seen our customers claw, scrape, and 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 you know do anything to get to shave a point off. So of uh, it's, it's it's highly significant, uh, as I'm sure most of people in our audience uh, can appreciate. I have a question about uh, about inspiration. You, you said that you moved to San Francisco and you met your co-founder. Did you, I'm, I'm always interested, how in the world did you get here? Um, mm-hmm. it, it, could you share with us for a few minutes or, or, or briefly how you, how you got from, hey, it's nice to meet you, co-founder, to um, this podcast today? I mean, for, on a product level, how, mm-hmm. how, what, what did you see at first and is it where you are today? Uh, yes and no. Um, I think what what we did see uh, was if one builds a technology that turns photos into 3D spatial data, people should care about it. And some people probably should c- care so much that it's worth something to them. You know, it's worth them pulling their wallet out of their pocket. Hmm. What, what we didn't see or what we, we didn't, we, we were totally lay people and, and, and making guesses about at the time was exactly who those people are, exactly why they care, and exactly why they pull their wallet out and how much, how many bills they pull out of the wallet and why. Uh, and that was the journey that took us three and a half years of talking to lots and lots of potential users of you know, spatial building data and morphing our data set and our pipeline over time and, and going back to them and saying, is this what you mean? And them saying, yeah, but this, and then us going away and coming back again and saying, is this what you mean? Right. And that sort of, you know, hunt for product market fit was something that took us, we were in the woods for, for a couple of years. And uh, thankfully we had an early use case with the defense segment that, that helped us keep the lights on early days. Uh, but um you know, we got here, my, my co-founder introduced me to to a couple of engineers that taught me about photogrammetry. And photogrammetry is um, is is probably like the, the best word to umbrella some of the basic concepts around 
what I would call 3D math or or uh, triangulation. Um, there, are, there are a lot of sort of words that would be used to kind of get at this idea that if you if you take a picture of something from a position, there that picture is just a grid of, of, of pixels. It's a, it's a 2D grid of pixels that is generated. It's a capture of light across a grid of pixels. And there's no, there's no 3D information in those pixels. But you, you and I, as, as humans, we know that they're inside that picture of a house, for example, um, that if we picked a pixel in that photo and then picked a pixel next to it, the distance between us and that pixel, you know, and then us and the, the pixel next door, those two distance would be slightly different because there's 3D information in there, right? There's there's a house in there, and um, so that concept of, um, and then of course, if you have two photos of something, then you have, uh, if you know where those cameras are relative to that thing, that object then you now have a triangle. You have two positions where the cameras were and you have an object that is the object of, of, of each sets of grids of pixels. And therefore, now you have trigonometry and you can do this math that figures out how far away the pixels would be in the two scenes of the, assuming that you're taking a picture of the same object. So that's not something they teach in, in undergrad compu- computer science. <laughs> Yeah. Um, at, the, at the time, even 10 years ago, this was kind of a, a niche wing of math slash computer science that was being used in defense and a few other areas. Um, certainly architecture, CAD, those types of software packages take advantage of this reality. Sure. But sure. when I saw that, I, of course, like my mind kind of jumped to the end. I was like, well, okay, wow. So if if you can set this up and if, if you have this, if the math works, the, the math is the math. And now you have this device in our pocket, this mobile thing that lets us take pictures. And at the time, the number of pictures on the planet was effectively going asymptotic. It was going straight up, right? Um, Instagram was kicking off. All these people were finding all kinds of reasons to pull their phone out of their pocket and take pictures. Yeah. And so in my mind, I thought, okay, well, someone's going to automate this whole thing and figure out a way to always project the depth of the pixels from all the photos all the time. And when that happens, because we have so many inputs coming from all these pockets, we're going to have a bunch of 3D spatial data that ought to be useful for stuff. At a minimum, spatial 3D data, building a better map than everyone else. Sure. And so more of that conceptual thing that I kind of got obsessed with and then, of course, we spent years looking for practical reasons why people would care. Tell me about the the defense. Why did the defense care? What did they want to do with that? Well, uh, so the defense. I mean, use- it, yeah, I don't. I don't know if you can tell me. You might not oh. be able to tell me. The defense use case was was something that stuck out to me the moment I saw this because I had just gotten back from the Middle East, um, planning and running missions um, with, frankly, some pretty bad imagery. Uh, mm. And, um, you know, putting people in harm's way and going to dangerous places with a, a bunch of grainy, grainy satellite photos of, of a scene. And so we, the first product we built was one that would help folks like that take imagery that they already had and um, through a process extract the 3d depth of those building objects in that scene to build Mm -hmm. 
a 3D rendering of that scene, which helped them with mission planning, helped them wow. show a more realistic view to their team before they would they would have to hop on a truck or a helo and go somewhere the next day. Sure. I mean, <laughs> saving lives, right? Yes, certainly. Certainly Not reducing risk. Reducing risk. Reducing risk. Yep. So you're you're hunting around, you're you're looking around, and um, was was insurance kind of immediate as an, an immediate aha, or or did that come later? It was. I think we we suspected again as lay people, as people not from insurance or construction or any of these places, um, that the insurance industry would care. You know, I, I had a real, um, an allergy to, to, or fear of selling to giant enterprises because I, I, I had a sense of, of the challenge of convincing um, a Titanic to, you know, the captain of a Titanic to turn the Titanic. Right. Uh, and so I was pretty reticent to go after that space early on and thankfully found some other opportunities, again, in particular, the, the, the SMB, the small, medium business contractor segment that, that didn't have that, that artifact or that challenge of selling to the enterprise. The SMB segment is, frankly, 100,000 plus small business owners who, uh, who you can call up or send an email to and quickly expose them to a concept. And, and if they want to, they can they can download an app and put their credit card on file and start trying the product tomorrow. Yeah. They don't have an MSA that they need me to spend six months on and I don't need SOC 2 compliance. And they, you know, they they behave much more like a, I mean, you might call them a prosumer. That's not a word that's used as much anymore, but they behave more like a consumer who's sure. willing to try new things right. on their own risk. And so that was a good thing for us early days uh, to bootstrap the business but I mean, to your point, within a year, we started to get inbound from the carriers themselves because they were seeing our data because it was being submitted by our, our first customer, the contractor segment. Yeah. On behalf of the homeowner for a claim. Yeah. So did that, did that allow you to kind of prove the functionality on it? And then the insurance companies called you uh, and were interested. Is that how that worked? Correct. Right. It's always better to sell to someone who who wants to be sold to than someone who has a lot of other things to worry about. Uh, and, you know, you know, today, I mean, I hear, I hear hover everywhere from all sorts of carriers. Um, it used to be, uh, Hey, there's a school technology hover. Have you heard of them? And, and now it's, Hey, there's this amazing technology and we're going to start using it. And I think that, I think y'all have finally made the, the switch to uh, full acceptance. Is that, is that what, what you're finding? I think that's right. We certainly have uh, have tipped those scales, or um, we've crossed the chasm, and and we're into the the, the early majority and mid majority of the segment. Uh, you know, that's been a long slog, but things turned pretty quickly in the last call it nine months, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 certainly um, a key element of that has been um, the ability for. Uh, our, our customer to engage the policyholder remotely. And then of course, world events, you know, none of us plan for a global pandemic, but uh, world events have, have also sort of reinforced that value proposition. I think today. It's, it's uh, hard for us to, to do podcasts and ignore entirely what's going on in the world right now. And, and 
for posterity will just say that we're in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic and the, the response in our country, um, you know, all three of us are hunkered down in our locations where we live. But we can't help but thinking about the effect that this is having on our industry and on our business and on the business in general. And I was talking with a buyer, if you will, from a major insurance company today, just today. And I said to him, does this change the way, does this change the claims business, the future of the claims business? And, and he didn't even need to think about it. And he said, yes, absolutely. Do, do you see that as, a, as an outcome of, of what we're going through now? I mean, now that you're now that you're now that you you went from being a novice or somebody that didn't know anything about insurance to probably now you know too much about insurance. So, 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 welcome to yeah. our club of those people who know too much about insurance. Um, so, what 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 do you what do you have what are your thoughts on that? Yes, I mean, I, I suspect he's correct. I, uh, <clears throat> you know, before this occurred, we we were we were seeing. A, a sea change in behavior from our carrier partners and our, our both our existing and our our piloting carrier customers, they were recognizing the value um, both in terms of efficiency as well as CSAT, um, making their their policyholders happy in using our technology. Uh, and that being said, again back to the whole turn the Titanic, change is hard and. Mm-hmm. Getting anyone to fight gravity and inertia, especially the larger the organization, is hard. No matter no matter what you've got, you know you can have the cure for cancer. Correct. My my co-founder and I always used to make the joke: if we had the cure for cancer, it would take us two years to get company X to actually once they even knew it was the cure to actually fully adopt it, mm-hmm. just because of the processes required to get there, and. If anything, I think this uh, this uh, scenario we find ourselves in has forced a lot of folks to um, open their eyes and give something a try that they're now realizing not only solves this this tactical problem we happen to be in, but um, is accelerating their realization that in fact it is what the the policyholder in most cases would love the kind of experience they'd love to have. And so I think as we come out of this, yes, the world is different. Uh, the exposure of remote uh, selling and adjustment and, and clo- closing of cases, that this kind of experience is um, going to kind of restart in a position 35 yards down the field from where we entered this. We would agree with that. And you bring up an interesting point about it's not only – um, something that's totally required right now because the, the industry is kind of out of answers, right? I mean, people don't, insureds don't want strangers coming to their home now, either inside Absolutely. of their house or outside or on their property. Just please, right? please stay totally, completely understandable. Uh, I would be one of those people myself. And um, uh, as, as I'm sure many of our listeners are, you you just don't want to run that risk. And so in the face of, oh my gosh, all of our traditional methods are now uh, useless or, or 
can't be used, uh, what do we do? And so yes. your, your solution and a few others stand out as immediate answers to a very difficult problem um, that insurers now have to grapple with in a, in a t within a time frame that, that they don't like to deal with, and that's right now immediately. Um, as you know, and, and you kind of alluded to that, I mean, we have a sales cycle that sometimes can literally take years and, uh, th and they're having to make decisions in days. Uh, but, but you also said something else and that is, is that insureds want to do this. Do you think yeah. that that's the case or do you think that's a coronavirus influenced thing? Oh, no. I, I mean, I know it's the case. Um, you know, we, we, we've been in, in existence for four and a half years with this product in the market. And uh, for more than half of it, we've had capabilities in our product that some of our more progressive carrier and IA customers have leveraged to engage the homeowner and have been able to prove to themselves. And of course, hence us, because you know we have dozens of examples now where not only is it not a burden for the homeowner, you know, that's, I think, the fear for a lot of folks at the beginning is like, <clears throat> do I really want to ask my policyholder to do my job for me? It's kind of the way they think about it. Right. So not only is that not true, the homeowner doesn't feel like you're schlepping, you know, your work off on them, but they actually, they enjoy it. It's, it's, a, it's a sense of, um, of uh, self-determination. I can take care of this problem. I don't have to worry about scheduling. I don't have to come home from work. I can use technology because my carrier, uh, uh, my carrier vendor um, that, that I have this relationship with, they're technology adopters, and they've offered me this great way to take care of this without having to deal with uh, this, the, the burden of, of talking to folks and coming home early. And isn't that, isn't that really where, where it's at right now, uh, allowing the insured to, to do what they want to do? I, I understand a lot of insurance companies are – uh, thinking that they're going to push all the claims uh, to the insured and they're going to self-service everything. Uh, but it's really about giving them an option. It's really about saying, if you, if this is what you want, you can. And then your tool is very useful for both. Your your tool can be insured-facing, but it can also be in inspector or adjusting-facing, which I think is is very, very important. Um, what... You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking and I'm thinking about uh, the insured being a self-service where they're actually able to do that. Are y'all looking at anything else? Uh, right now, it's exterior measurements. Is there anything else on the roadmap? Oh, geez. Um, depends on how far you go, down, go out on the roadmap. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, certainly outside the realm that we've spoken about, um, you know, we have a we have a company mission and vision that um, that takes us beyond these spaces. I think the part that's easy to talk about it are the logical extensions, um, both on the the uh, regardless of whether a project is elective or not elective, right? Whether it's a retail project or a claim. Right. There, there are extent, there are expansions or adjacencies that are pretty obvious, right? Uh, today, our technology is used to help scope window, paint, siding, roofing jobs, right? Those types of projects. But uh, our data right. set also could, could, uh, could and has been able to, to scope other types of projects uh, that are exterior and 
certainly our core technology, uh, there's nothing fundamental about our computer vision and deep learning pipeline that keeps us from generating 3D information from those dumb grids of 2D pixels that might be taken in an interior. Uh, so uh, without, you know, we, we certainly don't comment on long-term roadmap thinking, but, uh, you know, we built, um, we built this team with a vision in mind that uh, expanded far beyond uh, exterior home improvement and exterior claims. And um, that being said, of course, those use cases are, are massive and uh, those customers fantastic yeah. and we have amazing relationships and we're, we're, we're helping those business owners, whether it's an SMB or, uh, you know, a travelers, we're helping those business owners save money at, on the bottom line and actually make money from a, whether it's insurance carrier CSAT pulling in more customers or it's SMB contractors being able to close more business, increase their close rates. We're helping them grow their top line as well. So it's, it's a, it's fun. It's a, it's a win-win, right? We're, we're not asking people to give us yeah. money because we want their money. We're, we're trying to give them something valuable and, and the money ought to make sense for everyone. So was, um, we were at InsureTech Connect this year and, um, and you guys got a tremendous shout out from travelers, speaking of travelers. Um, and they, they, uh, couldn't have spoken more highly about your product and the company. Was that a, was I mean, <laughs> obviously that was a terrific thing that any company would want to have happen, but uh, d did that create more traction for you guys as a result? Well, I think it's it's um, it's helped wake up that industry uh, and helped folks in that industry. You know, it's 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 all well and good for for me to talk about the value proposition on this podcast or anywhere else. But it's wholly another thing for a VP of claims at a top 10 carrier or a top five carrier to hear the VP of claims at another top 10 carrier say, this is really valuable and here's what it does for us. And it's a game changer and you're crazy not to go down this path. So, so yeah, <laughs> that's been, that's been, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about the travelers team either. Uh, you know, uh, extremely progressive minded, um, which is great in terms of just their willingness to think about technology and disruption and kind of the idea that technology happens and you can't put the genie back in the bottle. But more so, I think just from a leadership perspective, it's, it's, it's refreshing to see kind of a risk-taking mode from from a carrier, uh, a willingness to try, um, which shouldn't be a unique quality, but I think in some cases it is in this segment. Um, that understandably, uh, leadership in in this space, uh, risk is a scary thing, uh, and this industry historically has moved slowly enough that uh, the risk of action sometimes or frequently can outweigh the risk of inaction. But uh, the travelers team has been really fun to work with because they uh, not only see it, but they're willing to take a bit of a risk to prove something, to give themselves confidence to take a bigger risk. And they moved pretty quickly. And, you know, lo and behold, here we are. They, they, they are ubiquitously using our technology. Amazing. 
you know, I, you know, AJ, I was just thinking, I was, I was looking at your, at your LinkedIn profile here and it says that you've been founder CEO for nine years. We don't talk to a lot of CEOs who have been there for nine years. A lot of insured techs are newer. They're, they're newer to our industry. They're two, three years. And I, I was looking here, it looks like you uh, graduated from University of Notre Dame back in 2000. Yes. And I'm just wondering, whenever you started this nine years ago, you probably had a vision that you would uh, design and, and be behind a computer writing code. Uh, but then I read that you're to date, if this is up to date, 87 million in funding from companies like Google Ventures, uh, Standard Industries, The Home Depot. I mean, is, was this road anything like you thought it would be nine years ago? Uh, you know, I think you can't imagine how that's going to play out. I think what I what I suspected at the beginning was this won't be easy. It, um, there's no way to really have a sense of how quickly we can find success. But I'm I'm will I'm in it for whatever that t- whatever it takes. You know, uh, I think. Um, you know, one of one of the qualities I've been cursed and blessed with is, is plenty of stubbornness. So, uh, yeah, uh, and and you know, share that with my co-founder. And um, so, I guess at the time, I I didn't really care. Um, I, I was kind of like, okay, well, this is what we're going going to do. Let's go, let's go, let's get started. Um, and it'll take however long it takes. And um, I think as long as there's a sense of an unwillingness to, to kind of quit until you figure it out, then, you know, somehow you get there in the end. Uh, I love those stories though, right? Like, uh, you know, there, our, our town, you know, San Francisco, Silicon Valley, uh, you know, tech as a segment has this perception of, um, of overnight success, right. Uh, that, yeah. that you know, Oh, you start you start a company, you 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 create a startup, and then in a couple of years, you know the thing just explodes. And uh, the truth is, um, that's not the truth. Uh, in 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 almost every case, that's not the case. Right. Uh, there are some exceptions, and some of them are quite famous. But in most cases, mm-hmm. it's a seven, ten, twelve year overnight success. Um, it's many years of things not working, and then things starting to accelerate and then they, they, they continue to accelerate and it looks like magic, but it's really just, um, the result of a lot of failures, you know, failing through a bunch of paths and fi- weaving your way to the one path that works through a bunch of failures. A, a, an overnight sensation, 10 years in the making. That's correct. That, that's, um, that's the way it works. Uh, the, uh, uh, one of the, one of the issues that we talk about, just as 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 basic users of of your product, we've been using Hover now for how long, Lee? A year and a half. Uh, a, a couple of years. A couple now. of years yeah, we've been using it. Beginning of two thousand eighteen, and, and we enjoy it. And we have customers who who uh, even I think require it on almost every file. Um, so uh, yeah, every outside file. Know, congratulations on that. That's great. But one of the one of the things that we one of the issues we have is what about the inside? Um, which is, I'm sure, a question that you, I'm not the first person to pose that question to you. Um, what about the inside? Yes. What about the inside? 
uh, moving right along. (laughs) You you know, as well as I do, there are a number of folks working on that problem. Uh, I, because it's nine years, I know probably all those people, um, uh, most of them personally, uh, Mm -hmm. and it's a hard problem and it's a huge opportunity. And, um, you know, uh, I, I actually talk with a number of those folks, you know, call it on a quarterly basis. Um, so, um, there's good coopetition there, I think. Um, cool. we're not focused on that today. Um, I, I, I wouldn't want to comment on sort of how quickly, if ever we would go there, but, um, certainly we, we at our heart are a technology company, uh, are the, the, the centerpiece of our IP is computer vision and deep learning, and it's a reconstruction pipeline. And um, there are lots of things we could do with that, of course, including interiors. It's just uh, we're also a small company. Yes, um, we're, we're having great success and, and things are accelerating, but we are a, a relatively small team compared to the best teams in the world with, with a focus like that. Um, there are only a few companies in the world with a bench like ours in this space, computer vision and deep learning, uh, kind of taking taking papers and turning turning them into production code and inventing things. Uh, and those companies, you know, everyone everyone on this this listening to this knows the names of all those companies. Uh, and yeah. so we can only focus on our, our strength is we can if we if we laser focus on one thing, uh, we have a chance of of building something that even those folks really aren't going to because they're focused rightfully on their own business models. Um, and, uh, for us, it's, it's, uh, uh, you know, a bird in the hand versus two in the bush kind of a thing. We, we need to stay focused. Sure. And I think that, um, the proof is in the pudding, the, 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 your up, the uptake of your product, uh, from where we sit seems to be growing, you know, almost exponent exponentially. Like you mentioned, travelers, but we know many, many carriers that we work with on a daily basis are 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 using your product. Um, shout out to Kevin Riley, who's doing a great job, um, you know, as the evangelist uh, for your product. Um, but uh, um, the industry, for those of you who you know live under a rock, the industry loves it, and uh, I think I think ease of use has got to be one of the greatest parts of it. I mean, if you can take a picture with your cell phone, basically you can use hover and the data that it, uh, that it accumulates. Yes, Lee. I mean, you're a claims guy, Lee. I mean, what what, what can you say about the product? It's fantastic. And it does everything that it, it advertises that it does. It's so easy. It is a very useful tool. And as we've proven here through some independent studies, it's a very accurate tool. And in fact, early on, I tested it myself uh, just to have the accuracy. That was back in 2018. And it was it was great. Um, it is. It's very, very useful. And I think that the future is there. I think that um, we agree with you. We think that the future is at the desk. And I think that it's tools like yours that it, that's making it possible. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, I think... Uh, you know, maybe one one thing that comes to mind that we haven't really noted um, that that I think is becoming pretty obvious to our customers who who've started earliest and have moved the furthest in this area is not only all the things you just said, but uh, there 
the concept of having a historical record of properties in this country uh, and have a historical right. record of properties, say, within um, a book of business that is your policyholder's digital property data that one can have over a period of time that, that also has uh, a historical record of change that is seen in the cloud yeah. that a carrier can hold and maintain for their policyholders. That concept and the value of that over time of collecting that data and being able to manage it and return to it in the management uh, or, or protection of that, that, that home for that policyholder is another reality, I think, of our data set. Sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, we, we talked to so many people who talk about data, 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 and that's what you do. You collect so many data points uh, about such an important um, piece of property, right? It's, it's the insureds, it's the uh, insurance companies. It's so important. And I think that you can do so much with it. In fact, me and Rob were talking before this about all the things that I, that I thought Hover yes. could do and that I'm sure on, on your roadmaps uh, but it's it's very interesting just to think about the possibility. Yeah, Kevin yes. has spoken to yeah, me about what what you guys are uh, doing with underwriting, and uh, I mean mm -hmm. that's w what a terrific use case that is. And I guess that's part of what you're bringing up now, right? Yes, right. I mean, a great example of sort of that. Um, <laughs> you know, we we obviously talk to a lot of carriers, and um, it's pretty uncommon for. Uh, an underwriting organization and a claims organization to be attached at the hip. <laughs> right. To use the same tool. In fact, yeah. they don't and, on purpose. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. To, to, right. Um, and, and so in this, in this particular case, the use cases of the two organizations actually can complement each other and the collecting of the data up front um, can be leveraged when, when, you know, when the, when the call comes in and the the request of the homeowner to to honor the the contract between the the policyholder and the carrier of like I've got damage now, well, you know we can help you because we have all this data already there. Yeah, I think it's a, a genius move. Well, AJ, as we wrap up here, um, I I do have one one more question. I'm I'm very eager to see um, if. You have any advice for any of our uh, possible insured tech startups? You know, you, you've been in this business for nine years. Uh, you've seen a lot. You've raised funds. You've talked to venture companies and large companies. Is there any advice that maybe you have to somebody who's just starting out and thinking about starting a company? Uh, you know, I think um, probably the two things that come to mind. One we just alluded to a bit ago. It's just. Obviously, this is, this needs to be something that that one is willing to kind of do until they figure it out, and and um, regardless of the time involved, uh, again, you may get lucky and, and and you hit pay dirt in weeks or months or a couple of years, but those are the lucky scenarios. In most cases, this will take a very long time, and you have no idea when you'll get there, and so be okay with that, and so and and do it because you want to figure it out, not because you have some plan about you know, in three years being in this place. Um, certainly don't do it for the money, right? Uh, <laughs> and then I, I think here is, um, it is, you know, everything is about team. At the end of the day, uh, your 
your thing will succeed because you've convinced amazing people to be obsessed with what you're doing and want to be a force multiplier to you because there's no way you can do it. There's no way you will be able to cause this to occur. Uh, In fact, the only way you will be able to do it is because you're good at convincing other amazing people to to basically make this thing real. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's purely about finding um, special people who will do anything because they're obsessed with not only the idea, but frankly, the team around them that you've built, right? They, people join you because they, they develop a sense of kinship or, or um, desire to be a part of a team that they meet when they interview. And, and so if you, if you focus on those things and it's pretty hard to lose, pretty, pretty hard to, to, to not get it done. Right. That, that, that. um, that's a, I think that's a real advantage that technology companies can have coming into our industry. I mean, I I think that technology companies appreciate the, the importance of team, um, much more so than some of the older traditional companies, um, and even service providers like ourselves in the industry. It's, it's, it's about the team and the whole team buying in and the whole team being extraordinary together. Uh, I think that you outlined that really well. I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, and I know several of the people on your team and they're terrific. They're, they're, they're rock stars. So kudos on that. Well, <laughs> well, listen, we've, we've loved having you and we appreciate you making time for this in the middle of, you know, uh, one of the biggest challenges our country has faced certainly in my lifetime in a long time. And, uh, it's a strange moment. It's a, it's a strange moment. Uh, but fortunately we all had the internet to get it done. So thank you for being with us. And, um, and we'll look, we'll look forward to seeing you out in the real world when this is over. Thank you, AJ. Yes. No, thank you for the time again. And, uh, yeah, look forward to it. Bye now. A.J. Altman, InsureTech veteran, InsureTech old-timer. Old-timer. Nine years he's been doing this. I mean, he's been around since it was called not (laughs) InsureTech, whatever it was called in the old days. Yeah. Yeah. Technology. Right. You know, Hover's, Hover's a really, really interesting product. I first learned about Hover at a PLRB three, maybe four years ago, a friend mm-hmm. of mine has said, hey, mm-hmm. I heard about this company. They're going to be there. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was really, really cool. And as an adjuster uh, in, in the adjusting world, I was like, wow, they're going to put us out of business. And now I look at it and I'm like, what a great tool. What a yeah. great way to streamline the operation and and to allow insurance carriers to get accurate data. So pretty cool. Pretty cool, right? A, a tool that's incredibly functional. Yeah. Right. I mean, a tool that, um, is, is like you said, it, it's a great thing to have in your tool belt. Yeah. It, and yeah, it enables, it, it obviously enables the next generation of claim handling. Well, and isn't that, in that what we're looking at now? You know, we're looking at what does the new world after coronavirus look like? And it's a lot of insured 
uh, insurance companies that insurance handle their claims and it's mm-hmm. desk adjusting. It's mm-hmm. a different world. It's where we were. We were on the verge of it. We're, a lot yeah. of people were looking, but now, but now we've been pushed to the brink and now it's time to, to jump in. And that's what carriers are doing now. And that's yeah. what I expect them to do in the future. What, what I'll say is it has been moving at the speed of insurance up until today. Yeah. And I was on with a, with a, uh, carrier vendor manager on the phone, not just before we recorded this. And, and he said to me, it's amazing how fast we can move when we don't have a choice. And, uh, yeah. and as bizarre as that is, as unthinkable as this was two months ago, um, that's the world we live in. I mean, if there, if claims are going to be done, uh, in the, the, the claimant is going to have to help. Yeah. In many, many, yeah. many cases. Well, I really enjoyed visiting with AJ. I would love to have him back on and just talk about those nine years dealing with venture capital companies, sure. dealing with uh, your Googles and Home Depots and st- Standard Industries. Sure. What's it like to raise funds and to the, the you know, I think it's a whole nother podcast just talking about uh, his startup and his visions. How, yeah. And, and how about just developing the product? Developing the technology is one thing, but then making it into a product that can be, that's just right for its specific use case is, you know, right. that's a whole nother journey. And they've, yeah. they've, they've killed it. And like we said, we've had the opportunity to work with them for a while uh, with their, with the company, with the product. And well, you, you know, you tell us what, what do you think of it? I mean, you, you, and you're into the business. You get to see the product a lot. What do you th- What do you think of it? Yeah, it's great. I mean, we have adjusters who use it all day, uh, and many carriers who want it on every one of their exterior claims. And it it does a wonderful job and integrates with estimating platforms. It's uh, it really is a a great fit, uh, and it's uh, it's a game changer. What you brought up about um, the Hague study? Yeah, that was neat. Really interesting. Really, yeah, great news for them. Yeah, it was. And Paul Bassetta, he's our director of operations here at 470, and uh, he had sent that over to me right before. And he goes, this is a great article because he's in meetings all the time talking to carriers, and they say, well, what about the accuracy? Is it, is it good? Is it bad? What is it? You know, has it been tested? And to have that, that Hague engineering uh, test that, that goes a long, long way. And mm-hmm. so I actually downloaded the full report and I read it. And it's very mm-hmm. detailed on the number of claims that they did and where they did them at. It was three different locations. I thought it was great. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an accurate product. Well, we thank AJ. Uh, <laughs> uh, to tell the story real quickly, we started recording it yesterday and he was at his home in San Francisco and um, bandwidth as you might imagine during this period of time is, is pretty constrained and uh, we just couldn't get a good enough connection uh, with the internet to his home. So he volunteered to drive to his office today, which he did so that he could be on a a great high speed connection. And so we appreciate him taking the time to do that and, and going to all the hassle just to be uh, on our podcast. Uh, We're, we're really grateful. Yes. Very, very thankful to him. So uh, once again, we thank you for being with us. We thank you for subscribing. We thank you for listening. Um, And we thank 
uh, Kevin Riley and Justin Hancher for their help in getting this all taken care of and their influence. And uh, until next time, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>